0: Welcome to Dragon Talk, everyone. This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Tito, joined by Shelly Mazzanova. Hello. You do good intros and claps, uh, Shelly. You're very. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I
1: am my own best audience for sure.
0: That's right. Uh, very excited about this episode. We get to talk to Jordan Parker from Lionhead Gaming. Yeah, a wonderful creator who has been. Uh, he's got so many great campaigns that he's participating in uh, as a player and a DM. So lots of stuff to uh, digest there, using homebrew as well as stuff that's come out of uh, you know uh, the, the the story campaigns here from uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And speaking of which, we've got another one of those coming out. Candle Keep Mysteries on
1: March sixteenth. Hey. Yeah.
0: Following on the footsteps of books you may remember, such as Tales from the Owning Portal or Ghost of Solmarch, this is a whole bunch of small, short adventures that you can play and drop into any campaign very easily. Right. Yes.
1: Yeah. Just run in a single session if that's what you want. If you want something that's level six, uh, we got you covered. Mm-hmm. Something, oh, I want something that's level 12. Oh, we can do that too. Levels one through 16 are covered, I believe. And the book, which I think is awesome, provides a wealth of content for you.
0: Yeah. And it's all centered around uh, the library fortress of Candlekeep, uh, in that every single one of these adventures has a book. It starts with a book that you might pull off the shelf in that. Library and take you to other worlds, perhaps other areas in the in the Forgotten Realms, or uh, keep you in Keep itself and learning more about it. There's there's even um, some information about the Library Fortress itself uh, for background information that you can provide to your players. Um, as well, a lot of these adventures were written by new creators in the D and D space.
1: That is true. It's a beautiful, beautiful
0: story. It's a beautiful story. As we talked to Chris Perkins uh, back in the day about his start making adventures for Dragon Magazine and Dungeon Magazine back in the early 90s. Uh, he is now paying that forward in folds by uh, you know, working with content creators on crafting these adventures and it is full of great and interesting stories because of you know all the all the flavors that those contributors bring to it.
1: Yes. Yes, a lot of uh, uh, names that people might find familiar from the D&D community, maybe some new names there. So you're going to discover lots of new talent and hopefully we see a lot more from from these contributors in yeah. the future.
0: Yeah, we'll be uh, uh, maybe even interviewing some of them in future Dragon Talk episodes. Oh, <laughs> that's sounds-
1: like a great idea
0: very cool there's two covers for it out there uh, the alternate cover is available only through your local game store on March 16th so if you're interested in picking that one up and it is a beaut
1: you should yeah, it
0: is. <laughs> You should pre-order or uh you know figure out how you can get it from your local store uh, but of course the standard cover is amazing and will also be available everywhere on March 16th
1: get it pre-order it make it so love it
0: Some cool stuff uh, coming from Dungeons & Dragons for the rest of this year. I feel like I want to spoil something, don't you, Shelly?
1: No, no, you can, I do want to, but we won't. But we will, we can say that there is the next issue of Dragon Plus, which comes out in February. Yeah. You'll learn a lot more about Candlekeep Mysteries and those contributors, but you're also going to learn a lot about something that we haven't even told you yet. Wow. I'm just going to say that, that. I know it, I know it's in there. I, I I'm getting
0: there. very scared is all I'm going to say. I'm getting very scared of what you're going to say, Shelly.
1: I am too, so I need to just <laughs> quiet. We're just going to back
0: away <laughs> slowly
1: <laughs> about
0: all of that. Yeah. I feel like we got a lot in common uh, with our guest, Jordan Parker. But uh, before we get to learning all about everything that is going on with Lionhead Gaming... It's time to welcome a friend back to the podcast, DM Jazzy Hands. You may know him as Eugenio Vargas, talking to Shelly about how
2: to DM. Yay.
1: All right. Welcome to How to Be a Dungeon Master. I am so excited. Joined by one of my most favorite people ever, Eugenio Vargas, aka DM no, uh, Jazzy Hands. How was that? Did you like you
2: that? You nailed it. Yes! And for what it's worth, the, the feeling is mutual about the favoritist people. So.
1: I know. Like you, it's been so long. You, it's been forever since we've actually seen each other, but I <laughs> was just, you know, reminiscing this morning, knowing that this interview was coming, thinking about how, how we, we met, and I put that in quotes because we were just um, social media friends, I think on Twitter. And mm-hmm. it was because we were both really bitter and angry and suffering from FOMO from D D Live. Because we were like the only yes. two people who weren't there.
2: Yeah, the only two ones in mm-hmm. the whole world. In it the was whole just world. a travesty. It
1: was. <laughs> and I think like we even just tried to make it seem like it was cooler to not be there or something. We did.
2: We had our not going party, that's as right. I recall. That's, this was that's this a- was way back yeah. this was the whatever the one was at meltdown i think
1: i think it yeah it was one
2: of it was, like it was either the King first Slender. or
1: second one it was yeah it was way back um and then we finally got to meet in person
2: yeah at, at origins at, years yes ago yes
1: yes yes yeah and then we added D live the last one that was in person we yeah. got to hang out so it's just you know when you just like See someone's, I don't know, their little avatar on social media, sometimes something in your heart just flutters and you're like, that person's gonna give me dungeon mastering advice one day. I know it. <laughs> and that we'll see is what, what I it. can do. Because you come from a theater background.
2: I do. I do.
1: I think what we are going to talk about today is something that um is very inherent to very to talented theater people, I say, because I'm also from a theater background, and this is not in my wheelhouse. But this is the old yes and that we hear a lot about from improv, um, and a lot of Dungeon Masters talk about it. And it makes my heart tighten up a lot when I think about it because um, what you are saying is actually a good thing, and a good creative outlet is the thing that scares the crap out of me the most. And that is... Players not doing what you think they're going to do. Or as <laughs> you said, um, and I will quote you, using player shenanigans in the moment they occur to be more creative yeah. and using the yes and um, philosophy to m- keep your games going, to propel um, the content and the overall narrative without completely losing control.
2: Yeah. What the how? Yeah. I So... Yeah, so yes, and, like you said, uh, comes from improv, and it's, uh, I will say, for anyone that is familiar with it in improv, it's not exactly the same, right? In improv, the idea is you're doing a scene, and if someone comes in and says, my, what a lovely day we're having, and you're like, no, it isn't, the... Well, that's, okay, that's sort of it. That's the end of the scene, right? (laughs) So in improv, it's, right, exactly. In improv, right, you say yes all the time to everything because that's how funny and interesting and full scenes are created between multiple people, right, that are making it up in the moment. In DMD for a DM, I want to be very clear, I am not saying, nor would I ever say, that you should say yes to everything your players ever ask for. (laughs) No, Because that It'll- that will go off the rails very quickly, right? But what I think a lot of DMs are nervous about when it comes to yes-anding, when it comes to uh, players making unexpected choices or asking unexpected questions, there's sort of a worry that if you don't answer correctly as a DM, if you don't give them, you know, the option that you were expecting... The campaign, the story, the narrative is somehow going to break in that moment. You're going to break it by saying the wrong thing. And I think, I hope we can chat about this in a way that everyone will realize that actually, I think your stories and your campaigns and your games can take a lot more than you think they can outside of of the box that you come in with from your game prep. Um, so I wanted to ask you to start off, like, Ugh. let's come in, let's come up with a situation, right? That makes you squirm, right? I'm all, this,
1: you, I'm already squirming. <laughs> <laughs> what am i am being put on the spot? Okay, 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 uh, no, okay. Yeah, a but situation. just okay. Like so
2: we can even use, we can even use your, your, you know, standby story, right? You had a group of players, as I recall, and they, you had ready what was going to happen to the left, and they yep. decided to go right. Yeah. Right, yeah. So tell me, like, what was in your brain what was so scary about that moment like i i didn't know what i mean in that moment i didn't
1: know like just they don't know what direction this is sure. just move it to the left i didn't it just felt like they they were going on, on a different story path than i was prepared to tell as the dungeon master totally
2: totally so let's let's now with the the ability of hindsight right you knew What sort of the end goal of that uh, dungeon or wherever they were. Like you knew what they were trying to do there, yeah? Yeah. In the end, I think what makes us scared is that we are worried that our players aren't going to get to where we're trying to get them. We're not going to get to that major plot point. They're not going to find the the, the item that they're looking for. They're not going to uh, meet up with the big bad guy that they're worried about, right? That the story is somehow going to not take, not end in the right place. Does that feel yes. at least kind of right? Yes. So yeah. much so. Cool. Let's take any of the published D&D adventures as an example curse of Strahd right okay in theory curse of Strahd is going to end with a confrontation with Strahd probably in right. some way yeah I, cool yeah. there are curse of Strahd itself has a bazillion different ways to get to that end point yeah yes who's to say there couldn't be a bazillion in one do you know what that bazillion in first way is right in this moment no maybe not but if it can if that story can have a bazillion ways to get from A to Z, I bet it can take one more without breaking. So let's go back to your they went left instead of right. Okay. You've got to get them to find the item at the end of this dungeon. They went right, you wanted them to go left. Sure. The easy answer is move what was to the left over to the right and and continue on. But maybe maybe there's something exciting and surprising to the right. And maybe the story does go off track a little bit, but you know where they need to end up, yeah?
1: Yeah. But I think so like you can get them the, back there. The story going being surprising is mm-hmm. exciting to a player. But uh-huh. as a new dungeon master, it's like I don't want any surprises. So I absolutely I don't, and I I think like I've really blocked this out cuz it was just that traumatizing. And I'm sorry to right? keep bringing it up. <laughs> no, I I bring it up too, but I was trying to think like what were they trying to do cuz yeah. you when you bring up a good point about like you you need them to do this one thing, are you is that what the fear is that they're just not going to do it? And I remember the adventure had something to do with like they had to rescue puppies. <laughs> like and
2: of course it did <laughs> first of all. <laughs>
1: And that there was, like, a very bad person that was, you know, doing terrible things to these puppies. So I I think I probably did something, like, you can hear, like, whimpering coming mm-hmm. from, like, behind this door. And mm-hmm. assuming, like, they're obviously going to go break down the door, and then my adventure starts. And they were like, okay, well, we're going to, like, walk around town or something. <laughs> like, ah. ask, like, oh, you are? Like, so I... I don't, like, how how could you have taken that and, like, mm-hmm. been like, okay, yeah. cool, now we're going to do this?
2: So, okay, this is great. So, you want, they need to rescue some puppies. The mm-hmm. puppies are on the other side of this door, yeah. and they go explore the town. <laughs> <Yes>. Cool. <laughs> what else, what else could draw them to the town that you hadn't planned on? Now, I, I, you know, I know this is difficult, and I'm not saying this is an easy thing, right? This is not, this is not, you know, the most basic of DM advice. I'm willing to admit that, absolutely. But I don't think it's as hard as we think it is. So let's okay. let's think about this situation. What? Okay, so they went out and explored the town. Well, where did the puppies come from?
1: Um, and I don't remember. I think they were like a puppy mill. I think they were being bred yeah. for, yeah.
2: Great. So if they're going to explore the town, somebody in town maybe knows uh, right. about uh. the puppy mill, or maybe they had <laughs> one of the puppies, or maybe they... Uh, any number of of people that they could run into who might know something about the puppies. Let's step back even further, though, because this is something that you you opened with, right? Using their own shenanigans. You made it very clear you wanted to go through this door. They decided to go elsewhere. Right. There's a there's a reason. Right. And if you can be there with your players and sort of figure out like, OK, why did they ignore that? Was it just to like be a jerk to me as the DM? Or was there something else that they were going for? And which, and maybe, look, that's a whole other, (laughs) that's a whole other conversation. But, but maybe there was something that they were doing. So ask them, right? Part of the yes and is literally just saying to them, okay. And so where are you going? What are you looking for? Ask these questions, let them come up with it. Right. That's the beauty of an improv scene. If we take this back to what it's like to oh. do an improv scene, I don't I as one of the actors in the scene am not responsible for the whole scene. That would actually be very, very boring for the other person.
1: That's really right? interesting, too. Like, You know, what? I love doing these segments because I feel like there's always like several moments that are like like a light bulb. Like, oh, yeah, if it's not up to me to just they went left.
2: Tell me why you went left. You're right. Absolutely. Why can't I ask them questions? And that is that is a form of yes anding, right? The yes part is accepting and saying, okay, you went to the you went to the right, you went into town. And the and part is why? What are you looking for? Or even if if this is the type of relationship you have with your players and the type of game you're playing, even going so far as to say, okay, and what's in the town? What is the first thing that you see there?
1: Okay, that's really interesting and good and enlightening because. I I think part of my problem was I know this I have a story. Mm-hmm. The story starts here when you open the door. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm now you have gone away from the door, and now I am panicking because I don't right. feel like I have a story. But I did still have a story. Like the it doesn't. It's not just my bird, my cross to bear.
2: Like exactly. Absolutely.
1: They, they and and players want that agency too. I'm like you. You want to be part of that story. So. Yes, I should have just asked them
2: why <laughs> well, and it's and it's it seems obvious but it really isn't and 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 there's a couple of reasons for that right for a lot of folks and and I'm I, I, I am moving away from your specific situation because I don't want to speak to that experience specifically for you but a lot of us myself included honestly come to d and d from, Video games, right? We're doing it sort of in the opposite direction. Whereas the reality is, D and D sort of set the structure up for video game RPGs in a big way. A lot of us experience them the other way around, and so when we come to a tabletop game from a video game, we have in our mind that there is a line from A to B, and there might be side quests, but that line is what it is, right? But we are much more creative creatures than that and that's what's fun about tabletop games as opposed to video games so that's number one the other one is there are there is sort of a philosophy of of role playing that i totally understand i don't run my games this way but it is completely valid that if you're going to create a sort of a level of i don't want to say realism because we have magic and elves and and as right. like so not realism but like a level of consistency in the world building let's say there's this feeling that like, well, if, if the city exists, if the city of Waterdeep exists, for example, I just can't decide to add in a building that, you know, doesn't really, quote unquote, exist in Waterdeep. Sure you can. Why not? Right. Or if your players want to add, you know, if they're looking for a tourist center in Waterdeep, I'm pretty sure, you know, in none of the published works about Waterdeep, I'm not as far as I've ever seen, is there a tourist bureau? Why can't there be one? What do you want to you know? Uh, what do you want to find out at this tourist bureau? Well, I'm looking for a map. Yeah, there's a big case of of you know map brochures on the table. I didn't know that was the th- the case. The players didn't know that was the case, but it served in that little moment the bigger story. It made them happy because they felt some agency and some creative license within the story, uh, and then you go you go from there.
1: Do you ever have you ever been in an experience where you've kind of just like okay, let's you know see where this goes. And like, what if it just doesn't go? Like, how do you get out of that?
2: Yeah, so that's tough. So um, I think there's sort of an an escalating uh, uh, sort of series of things you can do to try and get them back on track. And and I will say that at some point, I don't think it is unreasonable for a DM to turn to their players and say, hey, we're all sitting down and playing this game together. I want to give you all the freedom to have fun and explore as you want. But if you want me to run this game and tell this story with you, I'm going to need you to a little bit get on board with what's going here, right? That's sort of the last resort. Okay. But I don't think that's a bad thing for you to have to do. But how do we avoid getting there? You know, like I said, the big beats of the story. There's a puppy mill. They've been taking these puppies. They're, they're mistreating them. And the adventurers have to save them. Uh, and in doing so, they're going to overturn this puppy mill corporation. Okay, so if they're going off and looking at things, you keep dropping in bits about that. Somebody, they meet an employee of the Puppy Mill Corporation. They meet someone who got their their dog from the Puppy Mill. They meet someone who lost their dog to the Puppy Mill. You just pepper in these things mm-hmm. to give them little, let's go back, let's go back, let's go back. And they don't have to be, they don't have to be deeply planned out, Right because you know the important things. The only important things are there exists a puppy mill, it is bad, and we are trying to stop it. Yes. You know, if you're creating NPCs in the moment that know something about that puppy mill to try and get the party back on track, okay, now you've got an NPC that knows something about the puppy mill. That doesn't change the important beats of the story, right? Yeah. Does that sort of make sense? Is that sort of helpful?
1: Like so much so that I kind of want to go back and play this yeah. adventure because now I'm thinking, <laughs> yes. okay, if they just they they heard the whimpering, they left, they went around town. Like I could have just made them hear whimpering again, and like yeah, they could have just kept hearing the the dogs until eventually they were like, oh oh, this isn't normal. These are not normal yeah. dog sounds. We must go. Yeah.
2: I realized that we, I sort of, I, I pitched this conversation to you as like a lesson on yes and, but as we're chatting, I'm realizing that it's it's actually about like letting your players know that like they have agency in this too. They can help you tell the story. Yeah. But with that comes the responsibility of being willing to be a part of the story that you as the DM have come to the table with, right? It's way less scary to ask your players why do you want to go here? What are you looking for? If you know that they're going to work with you, right? That's yes, an important thing, too. It is. That's an important thing, too.
1: But it's important. Like, I, I think, like, dungeon masters, like, new dungeon masters or people who are thinking about dungeon mastering have definitely heard people say yes and in association with dungeon mastering. And probably a lot of them are like, I don't, I don't know what that means or it sounds intimidating. Mm-hmm. And... um There or I guess there's a question about like, how, how would you even, well, I guess you, how do you prep for, if you don't know where the story is going to take you, if you're going to employ the yes and technique?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So for me, my prep almost always centers around, uh, if it's pre-campaign or during the campaign, knowing what things have to be a part of my story to tell the story that I want to tell and there are almost always half as many of those things as you originally think okay so like I said there were all of these things I'm sure that you prepped in this in this journey to get the dogs so many what was important that there were dogs yes and that they needed rescuing
1: and there was right and maybe you
2: had a and there there was a villain right and you you created this villain yes that's it right? You can prep way more than that. You can prep the layout of the dungeon. You can get, I mean, you probably should get stat blocks and have, you know, NPC names and that, but ultimately the story that you're telling is that there are puppies and a bad person is keeping them and you want to free them. And the rest is fun, collaborative storytelling, if the players want there to be, uh, you know, if uh, another example of this, right, the players are bound and determined to, as they're searching for these dogs, find some trace of them. That wasn't the way you'd planned this. You were only working on, like, auditory things, right? They can yes. hear the dogs. But maybe, like, I'm, I'm playing in a campaign right now where one of my players is a Loxodon, and so they get advantage on perception checks that deal with smell. So, all the time that player is saying, well, is there a smell associated? Is there a smell associated? Oh, let me tell you right now, Shelley, I have never planned for there to be a smell associated <laughs> in any way, shape or form in this adventure. But that's the character they created. That's their bliss. That's their fun. So, yeah, now there's a smell. Maybe, maybe one of the dogs is wet. And so there's a wet dog smell, right? That player, that player gets that thing, right? It's just, there are infinite possibilities. And if you know, if you prep the things that are absolutely core to the story, and then you go back through that list and you remove half of the things on that list, right? Because I bet half of them aren't core to the story. You, then, you know, for sure, well, I can make up, Six different ways that these players can get on the trail of these puppies, and they'll all lead to that room with yes. that villain and that fight.
1: Okay, that makes sense.
2: I yeah. think it's I, I i am discovering all sorts of things as we talk about this, oh, good. and i'm i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna say this in a way that like is is perhaps a bit blunt, but I think we as DMs, I think it serves us really well to be less precious about our stories. Yeah.
3: You know, I think you
2: have I, to be. I think you have to be, and I think it's more fun. If look, that's my opinion. If you want to run a story where things have to happen A, B, C in alphabetical order from from A to Z, and that's the type of game that your players are into, that's great. That's a that's a lot of work and a lot of pressure, in my opinion. And for the types of games that I run, and I think the types of games that are that are getting a lot of sort of attention, whether it's through streams or or just like chatter on Twitter and the internet. The types of D D campaigns that are sort of interesting to people and in the zeitgeist right now are collaborative storytelling, yeah. and that means you have to give some of that up to your players, and that means that giving that up to your players isn't going to break it. That it's a it's a feature, not a bug.
1: Right. Yes. But okay. So what if you have players that maybe aren't as comfortable with role playing and storytelling, and like how how are are, are there ways that you can employ this this kind of tactic and philosophy w- without scaring
2: them away. My my go-to for players that are nervous about really honestly just about any part of D&D, whether it's the the stats or the dice or mm-hmm. the storytelling and the role playing, is just to ask questions, right? Because a lot of times a good chunk of their nervousness is that they they don't know what they need to know or they don't know what they're allowed to do right. or they don't know what they can do, whether it's in terms of the rules of the game or what they can do with you as a DM. So questions, questions, questions. We want to go right. Okay, cool. Why? You know, we want to go into this house. Great. What are you looking for? Okay. We want to sniff around. What kind of smells are you looking for? Right? Questions, questions, questions. And the other thing is, you know, if you have a player that, that just says, well, I want, to, I want to go in this house. And you say why, and they say, well, I just want to go in the house." That actually, that actually is great for you, because that means you get to decide, right? Yeah. If they don't have a real specific thing in mind, they're just doing a thing because uh, I don't. My character is chaotic in this moment. Okay, so so am I as the DM. <laughs> great. I will. The other thing I will say is, I, I hear myself saying things like, just make it up, come up with this thing in this moment. And I recognize that that is not easy for everyone. And I recognize that that is stressful sometimes because there is this pressure that what you say is the DM suddenly becomes canon for this world. And I'm not, maybe you're not that type of creative. Maybe you're not that spur of the moment type of creative in a lot of ways. That's okay. Okay. Practice and know, remember always. It's a game that you're playing with your friends to tell some goofy fantasy story, right? Maybe it's a serious fantasy story, whatever your type of story is, but it's a game that you're playing with friends to tell a story. If you screw up, okay, I made up a thing. It actually didn't make any sense. That's okay. You can either say to the players, hey, let's go back and, and I actually want to change this a little or say to your players, this is a weird thing. I said it and I kind of regret it. Help me figure out how to make it work. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and believe me, I've done that. Ask my players on The Last Refuge. There have been times where, and some of them we've kept in the recordings and some of them we haven't because they go on. But there have been times where I'm like, oh, I screwed up. I, I should not have allowed that. I shouldn't have said that. I described this wrong. Let's figure out how to make it work, right? Because yeah. I don't want to penalize you all for me, like, getting excited about a thing and they understood that. I, I would hope that anyone that you are sitting down to play a game with would be willing to have that little moment with you as a DM.
1: I, I would hope so. And if they're not, then maybe you those aren't people that you want to play with.
2: I mean, that's sort of my feeling. And, you know, I, I never want to tell somebody they're playing any of these games wrong. But, like, I do think that if you're afraid of your players, like, getting upset with you because you messed up. That doesn't seem like a fun table. <laughs>
1: no. There's a different type of, of dungeon master that they may thrive with. It it probably yes. won't be me, right. um, or me. No, or a lot of people. But there that there, there are DMs for for those tables as absolutely, well.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And that is that is valid, and that is fine, and that is a very different sort of philosophy that requires different prep and different skills in the moment, and that's great. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. <laughs> that's not me either. Um, right? Exactly.
1: I should have called it out when you said it earlier cuz now I can't remember how you what we were talking about. But you said this is a type of yes and um <laughs> or this falls under. And I think that was an important call out because again, I'm going back to like the newer Dungeon Masters and the yes yeah. and philosophy is it's not a literal yes a- no. and but it's an umbrella <laughs> and under the umbrella there are different types of of things that would fall under this philosophy. Are there other yeah. like like little tips and tricks under the yes and umbrella that you think would benefit a new or inexperienced dungeon or really any dungeon yeah. master,
2: but Absolutely. Um one of the things that that I find in the sort of yes and category that that I've really had a good time and and I asked some of my players before I sent you this topic like what are some things here's a narcissistic question. What am I good at? But like I did, because I was curious (laughs) what made an impact on them. And one of the things that several people told me they really enjoyed that I do is one of my yes and techniques is to say, okay, let's find out and roll some dice. That's right. We're playing D&D. We roll dice. It's part of the fun. I think most people who play D&D enjoy the math rocks, right? In some way. The math rocks. (laughs) So yes and, in, it, it, yes and with the dice can be a, a bunch of different things. It can be come up with a, an ability check that you want them to do. You know, I want to go to the right because I think maybe the barking sounds are a red herring and I bet they're over here. Oh, okay. okay, make a perception check and see what you find. And if they fail miserably then you can be like, well, actually, you know, that in that direction, you just, it is it is all darkness. You can't see anything at all, right? Or if they succeed spectacularly, you can be like, well, in that direction, you smell the lovely smell of uh, uh, horses, which is not the animal that you are looking for. <laughs> Probably don't want to go that way, right? Let the dice help you with this storytelling. And a, and a failed check is as interesting as a successful one. Yeah. But the dice can both help you figure out as the DM what, what is going to happen and also give you a moment to breathe while that player rolls dice and does math and gives you the total, right? It gives you that 10 seconds to come up with something. Yes. Um, we want to climb this mountain, even though I, I, the DM, just spent 10 minutes describing the very simple, easy-looking path that you can walk up this mountain, but we want to climb it. Okay, there were three encounters and some important details that were on the path, but you want to climb it. Okay, make me an athletics check. You fail miserably. Well, I guess you're not climbing this mountain. Oh.
1: Are they failing right? miserably because you've made it it's just you know that they're uh, they're never gonna succeed at it? Or did you fail I them mean, on purpose or what
2: I never I never fail on purpose because I do and this is not rules as written, but I do allow for crits in, in ability checks, which that The more I do that, the more I feel like that's like expert level DM because your players will always crit at the worst moment. Um But yeah, maybe if I really don't want them going up that way, maybe that DC is going to be, it's, you know, it's a very smooth cliff face. So maybe the DC is going to be like somewhere between 17 and 20. And, and then if, if they, they succeed... Yeah. Okay, you took the time. While they were doing that, you had a moment to figure it out. And, and so they're climbing and you're going to say, well, okay, now I realize that they can see the old man who, ha- who was the original founder of the puppy mill who was pushed out of the company. They can see him because they're climbing up and they can see him in the distance, even though they're not going to meet him on the road. Right, but I had a moment to figure that out while my players were, you know, getting out their their climbing kits and trying to figure out how they were going to rope each other together so they don't fall. Because players are always worried about that kind of thing. Right, don't rope each other together, then you're just all going to fall anyway. Sorry. (laughs) So much pressure, but but not, Um, but not, but not. You know what? I also do. Speaking of yes, ending with the dice, I also will sometimes just. Roll a percentile and say in my head, like, we're going to look for, we're looking for a, an elf in this town who knows this particular history. Well, I had a whole, I had a journal that you were supposed to find in the dungeon. You were supposed to talk to an NPC about it, but okay, uh, sure. There's a 25% chance that somebody knows something. Roll a percentile. Oh. Use the dice If 75% chance that you're going to be able to tell them no, you still yes-ended them because you gave them a chance, right? I still think that's yes-ending, but 75% chance they're not going to. And if they roll in the 25%, well, okay, then you can say, great, give me a second and I will let you know what you found out, right?
1: Maybe that that NPC has
2: the journal. I don't know. Like there's... Exactly. Exactly that. Why does the journal have to be in the dungeon? The NPC has the journal. You, you can hand did it, it to
1: them. If it's that important to the story, the NPC can just...
2: <gasps> Do you see what I did? You just I rolled did it. with it. And you also, you also did something else that I think is important, is that you acknowledged if the journal is that important. Did the journal really oh. make it onto your list of, like, must-haves for this story? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, bet it right. doesn't. I bet the info in that journal is just as easily given verbally by an NPC. Now, maybe you are a, a you know, a crafty DM and you made that journal to right. show and you have all these things. Well, then, then, yes, the journal is that important. And so you do what you said. You give the NPC the journal. Okay, it's a family heirloom. Yes. Yeah. It's a, okay. The yes and is a it's a it's a spectrum and you can use it on all kinds of scales, right? We want to go to the plane elemental plane of air. Okay, sure. Yes. Why is my and right? That's a huge scale yes and I want to try and use Thorn Whip to grab my uh, party member who's falling off a cliff and, and yank them back to safety. Not really an intended use of that spell, but I don't see why not. Sure, go ahead, roll That's it right, up. Yeah. Those are both yes and right. And they can both both of those moments can feel scary to a DM that is not ready for the unexpected suggestion, whether it's go to the plane of air or use thorn whip to uh to you know catch a falling artifact, right? But both of them can be yes-anded.
1: Yeah. And it's a nice way to reward your players' creativity and to keep them and to you know there's there, there's potential new story hooks that come out of these things too
2: absolutely and so and suddenly you're it. gonna find yourself you know l- figuring out ways to integrate your character's backstories that you haven't thought of in that moment because they're they those care those players know their characters' backstories so maybe the reason they went to the right is because you know they well, this is a, a silly example, but maybe the reason they went to the right is because they are, uh, you know, the D&D equivalent of Derek Zoolander and they can't turn left. <laughs> and you didn't know that. Okay, well ah, then when you say, okay, that, why then- are you going to the right? And they tell you that, now you have all of this fun, yes. right? To put fun things to the left and watch them problem solve it, right? There are all kinds of things you're going to learn. If you just let your players be as creative as you, ask questions, and rest assured that as long as we're still talking about puppies and a bad a bad person that is holding them captive, your story is probably not going to break.
1: Oh. So again, what I learn is the players are not your enemies. <laughs> they are <laughs> not there they're not there to find ways to break your story they use them for good use them for inspiration use them to help you tell the yeah. story yeah and again i'm inspired
2: <laughs> i'm so glad i am we, and it's little it by takes little. practice it does take yeah. practice right because you because if you have that fear of the yes and you're you're going to have to push through it and that's tough and that's going to take a few times and Uh, You know, I get that and that's okay. And again, you want to have a table of people that you love and trust so that you can do that and be scared of it. But I really strongly encourage you to to be scared and do it anyway, at least a few times because nothing's going to assuage those fears like finding out firsthand that, oh my God, I didn't break my story. They went to the elemental plane of air (laughs) and I still didn't break my dang story.
1: That's going to feel real good. Yeah. Um, you're amazing, as you know. I Thank just you. adore you. Thank but you. I also realized that I'm totally messed up in the beginning of this interview because I was Uh-oh. just so
2: excited to <coughs> talk to you.
1: Oh, and no. jump in. <laughs> I didn't even introduce you properly.
2: <laughs> you said my name. I guess people couldn't. I did. And <laughs> DM Jazzy Hands, which <laughs> right. a lot of
1: people do know you as. But if they sure. don't know who you are, I will properly introduce you as streamer, podcaster, and Designer and also dungeon master and producer of the Last Refuge, d anD D podcast, writer and editor yes. of on the DMs Guild, and super exciting that by the time yeah. this episode airs next week, people will already have maybe had a chance to see you as the brand new member on Rivals of Waterdeep.
3: Oh, yes.
2: what! I'm so excited! I really that's am.
1: amazing.
2: Yeah, it's, um, uh, I've watched them for eight seasons now, and I, I can't wait to get started with them. Of course, by the time you said this comes out, they'll know, but I'm very excited.
1: <laughs> yeah, because, okay, so that, uh, yes, well, let's, probably the easiest way for, for people to find out about all of these exciting things is to follow you somewhere, or where where should people go for more information? Yeah.
2: Twitter's the best. Uh, anytime I'm going to be live on either my own channel or streaming with other folks, it's going to get tweeted out. Uh, and then there are, you know, links to my DM Guild projects and stuff like that. So uh, I'm DM Jazzy Hands on Twitter. You can follow me there. Uh, you can check out my website if you want, elcaniovargas.com. Uh, there are some links to, like, my adventures and other things uh, on there. Oh, nice. And also, you know, my career from the before times as a theater artist. I think that's still on the internet somewhere.
1: <laughs> oh. And hopefully we get to see you in that role again sometime.
2: Fingers crossed. Before. Yeah. Fingers crossed.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for um, being here and talking to me. This is excellent advice. I am sure other uh, new, inexperienced, and scared dungeon masters will agree. But you have demystified a lot of, uh, actually a huge part of, for, of what stands in the way of dungeon mastering for
2: me. So, Good. I'm one step
1: closer to getting behind that screen.
2: We're gonna get you there. We're gonna get you there. And like, um, reach out, ask me questions. You, Jelly, but also listeners, like, reach out. I'm happy to chat about DMing. Uh, I think my DMs are maybe open on Twitter. I don't know. Send me a tweet. But I, I love bringing new people into the into the game. And I, I will say, it is not always easy to DM. And that's a, you know, as we give you this advice and give you this confidence, I think, I think it is only fair to say this isn't necessarily always easy. But it's totally worth it, and it's not as hard as you think, so.
1: And it's harder, what did you say earlier? Harder to screw up your campaigns
2: than you think Way harder, ultimately, to screw up your story. As long as you know A and Z, the middle doesn't matter, and you're not going to break much.
1: Excellent advice. It just (laughs) keeps pouring out of you. I love it. Okay, well thank you so much for being here um, and I hope uh, that you have a wonderful time on uh, the Rivals and we get to see a lot more of you in the future.
2: Yes, indeed. Mwah. Mwah. Talk to you soon. You're the
1: best. Bye. You.
2: Bye.
0: It's so great as always to hear the creativity uh, behind DM Jazzy Hands.
1: Really, honest to God, one of my most favorite, favorite people in our little world here. So excited to find another opportunity to, to speak with them.
0: I hope you guys sang uh, as well as cried and laughed together.
1: Yes, we did. In our hearts, we definitely did.
0: In my hearts, in all the listeners' hearts, you certainly <laughs> did.
1: If I sang, there would definitely be some crying.
0: <laughs> Mostly crying and like,
1: turn it on, yes. it's too loud. Oh my eyes they are watering.
0: <laughs> From yes. all the singing my eyes. It's hurting my eyes. That's how bad it is.
1: <laughs> it's like a like an onion, like a real stinky onion of but an audible version.
0: Of yeah. That. Yeah. Yes. and this is why we win potties you guys because we've got stinky <laughs> onions in our voices <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: All well right.
0: I hope you learned a thing or two uh, from I Eugenio did. and now yeah. I can't wait to learn about uh, Jordan Parker and Lionhead Gaming so let's uh, give a little listen to our interview Everyone, let's welcome Jordan Parker to Dragon Talk. Welcome! <laughs>
3: thank Jordan! you for having me.
1: Thank you, <laughs> Jordan. You're my favorite. <laughs> oh my God! Why are you so friendly? That's really a question we got about you. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Yeah. Welcome, Jordan.
3: Hey, thank you so much for having me, Shelly and Greg. How's it going?
1: Good. Good. Wonderful.
3: We are excited to
0: talk to you about uh, so many fun things. Um, but you know, people may know you from uh, you know your Twitch channel and Lionhead Gaming. You're doing a, a D&D game called Heroes of Thalia uh, as well as Song of Rapture. That sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, one of the fun things that we always like to ask people is like, when, when what was your start playing Dungeons and Dragons? How what was your origin story of getting into uh, into the game? Uh, and uh, uh, talk a little bit about that experience.
3: My origin story for D and D is uh, a little controversial. Uh, to be honest. Yeah. No worries. Hey, let's no, that's, that's jump important right because
1: down. I know that's a that's a <laughs>
0: that's a big uh, you know issue for many people in the community, and that's you know one of the things that we're trying to do here with Dragon Talk is to to uh, make sure that we acknowledge and you know hear uh, everybody. So yeah, what. Uh, Tell us, tell us what you
3: I, got i came in uh i want to say it was like two thousand and eleven
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh with fourth edition d and d uh which is where usually the controversy comes from and uh I loved that edition I loved it so very very much. I am a steadfast and valiant defender of the merits of that edition, and I will die on that hill
0: <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, sometimes always the first love, one yeah. is the is is the, is the most beloved uh, version. <laughs> uh, what was it about fourth edition that 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 sucked you in?
3: Oh, geez. I mean, there's a I think a universal truth to tabletop role playing games uh, in the analogy that it's pretend with rules, and so uh, you know just that initial notion the ability to go have these crazy imaginative adventures that had, you know, rules backing them that you could look to and determine, ah, yes, you did beat the dragon because the rules said you did. And good <laughs> job. That was your adventure. Did you have fun? Yes, I did. I enjoyed playing my paladin very much. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's all the same sort of energies that, uh, that the hobby gives us. Uh, you know, people describe their adventures not from a really like a storytelling perspective, but more like they were there. They mm-hmm. described them from the first person. I slew yeah. you know, axe the red dragon. Like, oh, well, no, I mean, you didn't. You were at the table rolling dice with your friends, having soda and pizza and stuff. No, 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 I was there. I could feel the fire of the breath, the dragon's breath. And, you know, that, that enraptured me like I believe it is so many others. And that is something that was, Pervasive, even in
1: uh, fourth edition. <laughs> yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. I remember I, I also really liked fourth edition. I learned on <laughs> three point five, mm-hmm. so fourth edition was just a lot easier, <laughs> I mean, for lack of a better word. Like, <laughs> I could actually create a character like by mm-hmm. myself, not you know, like it doesn't take me days and days. But there was, there was a lot to love of, about fourth edition too. But what so. I assume you had uh, an interest in gaming before you started to play D&D.
3: Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I was playing, you know, video games and things like that since, you know, uh, God said let, basically. Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) You know, playing, uh, taking the the little plasticky gun from my dad and demanding that it was my turn to play Duck Hunt. Uh, (laughs) Nice. uh, You know, and playing... um, Some early RPGs like Final Fantasy and things like that and uh, a big fan of the, you know, Ace Combat series. Uh, Lots of, you know, lots of gaming in my life. Also board games. Love, love me some board games. I have a whole closet full of them. Uh, You know, all that sort of stuff.
1: So you mentioned a paladin. Was that your first character that you played?
3: My very 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 first D&D character, uh, very imaginatively named Fiona Ravenwater, a paladin Ooh. of the Raven Queen, uh, nice. who wanted nothing more than to be her god's right hand and eventually achieved just that <laughs> thanks to epic Dessays.
0: That's awesome. My daughter's name yeah. is Fiona. I think she would uh <laughs> love Fiona to hear Ravenclaw. about Yeah, exactly. I'd love to hear about the uh the exploits of this character. <laughs>
1: Yeah, fun time. It would be awesome to have a, a name in real life that people use in their for their D and D characters. Probably not that many D and D characters named Shelly. <laughs>
0: only, uh, only no, turtles. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, we're we're on sure,
1: You know, we're the same wavelength. <laughs> you're right. You're right. There's got to be some turtles named Shelly out yeah, there. Yeah, right.
0: Shelly Michelangelo. Dad energy. <laughs> <what that> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Um. uh so yeah i mean i love fourth too uh you know going back to that like i and, and your love of board gaming and and it sounds like a lot of uh um you know strategy slash war gaming type stuff definitely feeds into oh, yeah. uh that <laughs> system <laughs> <laughs>
3: um
0: but uh but yeah you're 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 streaming now uh so yeah uh what uh, can you tell me a little about your channel and and uh, what that's all about
3: uh, yeah, yeah, Lighthead Gaming, uh, oddly enough, started out as uh, as me trying to uh, basically share my love of video gaming uh, with Twitch. And, you know, it was a, a late entry into a very small, well-populated pond uh, to start with. And video games don't really bring out the same... Uh, as my wife would call it, charisma, uh, that I do have when I'm doing <laughs> d d things. Uh, I get very focused and sort of occupied with the game, uh, and it wasn't a super, you know, good thing to watch, to be completely honest. Uh, but I had also recently started streaming, or not streaming, uh, playing D&D online uh, via mm-hmm. Roll20, uh, and she noticed just how much, more energetic and enthralled and passionate, I was, you know, portraying my uh, dragonborn wizard, Aegon von Braun. Uh, <clears throat> and she had the brilliant idea of suggesting, why don't you just stream DD instead of Overwatch? <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I guess. <laughs> I guess I could stream DD. I don't see why not. I have the stuff. Uh, I mean, cool, let me ask my group if they'd be fine with that. They were fine with that. <laughs> and uh, one thing led to another, and I streamed that uh, original game, Order of the Light, and then that led into The Expanse, which was a really fun show. It started out as like a weird sort of D&D Western that, of course, grew into a big fantastical, you know, dragon-stopping adventure and going from level 3 to 20. It was crazy. Wow. Um, that was a really fun campaign and then we started uh Song of Rapture and that and with Song of Rapture I finally finally managed to rope the wife into playing D&D uh and oh, wow because yeah, she she spent her adolescence like doing like forum role playing and stuff so she was already like kind of there but I was just like but you know, like those situations where you're talking about how cool your princess character is and how cool somebody else's princess character is. But you guys are having like a squabble and you don't know who would win in your little princess fight. Come play this game where we can find out who wins in the princess fight.
0: <laughs> All you got to do is roll the die and you'll find roll out who the die. best princess
3: is. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, that's and cool. so I managed to to rope her in finally. So she's enjoying the heck out of the hobby now, uh, and she's you know been playing in every campaign that we've done since uh, Kingdoms of the South, our warfare campaign, which has just recently moved off the channel. Uh, Song of Rapture. Uh, she also plays in Heroes of Tyria, my game that I run. So it's it's been it's been a fun journey over these last four years, I think now. Four that's
1: years, great. huh?
3: Yeah, and you owe it all to her uh, as far as <laughs> yeah, that great yeah, 100%, idea right yeah, 100%. what
1: about D&D D&D yeah
3: it, it all of it all of it goes to her she is uh you know she, she'll describe me as her uh, as her rock but like it's none of this would be possible without her immense moral and you know just support just constantly it's good to have a really good you know partner <laughs> And Heck yeah.
1: Especially during especially, this time. Yeah. Especially <laughs> over this last year. Hold you really do find out who the good ones truly are <laughs> when you are forced to spend 365 days with them.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> and only um, that. You
0: know. Uh but that's such a good <laughs> I love that you were able to kind of take uh the the reform role-playing uh kind of expertise that she had and be like, oh, that's not that dissimilar. Uh, oh, yeah. From 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 what Dungeons and Dragons is all about, and you know, I I see that in you know my own wife who does some performance and acting uh, and uh, groks that side of it. It's the fantasy part that she's still yeah. not you know doesn't have that like fandom of of, of watching the Lord of the Rings movies and, and enjoying them as much as I did and, and all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> but I just sat know. her
3: down to watch the extended editions like two years ago, and I was like, nice. all right, cool. Now you've got your fantasy to go with like your decade and a half of theater musical you know stuff that she already was bringing to the table so now you can sing and shoot the fantasy what is the the what are you
1: the what did you say the reform role i don't know what that is what you said her she was dabbling in
0: forum role playing so like playing yeah
3: yeah like um like sort of like play by post if you've uh Heard about that for okay. from, yep, for TTRPGs, yep. right? But instead of playing a game, you're just like posting what your character is doing. Collaborative okay. Forms, storytelling, like form. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, that seems like like a natural-ish natural ish transition. transition to yeah. to D anD. d Was there something about the setting for in Song of Rapture or the story that also was drawing her in? I'm just curious because I know um, a lot of people that I think would really love D anD. d But like Greg was saying, like they're not maybe they're they're are not fantasy fans or they don't think they are but they would be such good role players and such good storytellers them in
3: i mean with song of rapture um i don't know it was kind of like a a process right because i to get that game off the ground i basically bribed the dm uh, who was a player in all of our other games um omen whose name is also jordan So we call him Omen Uh, (laughs) um, to run that game because I was just like, hey, here you go. Here you go, buddy. Happy birthday. It's the Monster Manual on Roll20. Oh, here it's Volos. Hey, buddy. (laughs) You sure you don't want to put together (laughs) a homebrew campaign? Um, And he decided, thankfully, to, uh, to put something together that is, I wouldn't say like newbie friendly or like beginner friendly, but that's definitely like the... The opening feel that we had was like, you know, hey, if Mel's going to be joining us, let's make sure that we're aiming for not having everything be crazy difficult, where you need to be super experienced or anything like that, yeah, uh, to know what's going on. You're not dealing with mind flares at level five, uh, <laughs> hmm. and uh, just have a really cool, unique uh, concept, which is uh, dealing with uh, basically sort of an interplanar adventure, uh, dealing with the fact that uh, with that game right now, we're sort of finding out that the the veil that separates all the different planes has been thinning over the last few years, and we're dealing with planner incursions in different forms and fashions. Right now, we're, we're in the Feywild, trying to get Mel's character's brother to not have to marry Princess Titania, queen of the summer court, so we're basically crashing a wedding right now in the Feywild. So okay. that's, <laughs> you know, so having adventures like that, but then, you know, also having adventures where you go to an island that's been awash with energies from the Shadowfell that have turned everyone into undead and putting a stop to that. You know, so like dealing with dealing with what happens when your neighbors keep coming over uninvited, basically, <laughs> is a good way to summarize that. Except, you know, <laughs> your, your neighbors are elemental princes and, uh, you know, giant Feywild ladies and... <laughs> horrible undead monstrosities, <laughs> and God forbid the far realm. <sighs> yeah, that seems fun. Well, that's, I, I was, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's in. uh, we're we're pretty deep in that campaign now. I think we're coming on to I want to say our hundred twentieth episode here soon. Uh, it's been going for quite some time uh, on Thursdays.
0: <clears throat> that's great, and I mean, it, you. It feels like you go back and forth between you know, a player and a DM uh, pretty often. Indeed. How's that? Because, you know, usually when we talk to people, they're usually like, hey, I'm mostly DM or I'm, you know, mostly play uh, and dabble. But it seems like you've got a pretty even split there.
3: Yeah, we have a relatively large-ish consistent play group of around seven, eight people now. Um, Maybe nine on a good day. Uh, And and most of us have... uh, you know, some DM uh, vertebra in our spine, you know, some, some DM bones in there uh, <laughs> where we like to take a, a crack at it. So like uh, Brendan, who's a player in all the other games, was the runner of the Expanse campaign. And so with his three to 20 game out of the way, he's taking a break right now and just enjoying playing. Uh, and, you know, then I was like, all right, well, let me step up to the plate. And John stepped up to the plate to run his game. And then we also play in each other's games. So it's just a it's a nice sort of crisscross applesauce kind of group (laughs) not everyone's dming but you know we'll we'll get them eventually
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) we're trying to get we're trying to get one
3: to dm a cyberpunk game right now we're just like slowly but surely sending him you know memes and uh different homebrew guides and uh oh here's our cool robot (laughs) characters come on peter run the game we believe in you we love you (laughs)
1: You do have a pattern, I've noticed. like, oh, here's a monster man. Yeah, here. oh, Let the... me give
3: you some stuff. Read be it. Be wary no of the
1: gifts. If Jordan starts giving you gifts, be wary of what that truly means. Uh, but Greg, you're, you're kind of a, I feel like you also balance between being a player and a dungeon master.
0: I, I it, do. And actually, I've been, my, my needle has been uh, against the, the, the dungeon mastering side for a lot recently. And I've been getting the hankering to want to play more because of that. Like I do, I do like a balance
1: yeah is it hard when you're um, when you're players to turn off the the dungeon master and you and just let somebody else lead th- that story
0: what do you think journey
3: mm. I think it this is gonna sound like kind of a cop-out answer but I think honestly it depends on the person uh, mm. and their personality how they handle things how they handle uh, you know DM uh, choosing a story to go in a certain direction or dropping a uh, uh, certain rules and things like that. Um, I think it all comes down to communication in terms of effectively managing that relationship as a DM player, right? We're like, yeah, I run games, but this is your game. So what are the rules of your game? How are we going to solve this problem? Uh, and that, you know, just having respect for each other, you know, being yeah. a close group of friends, we've been playing together, all of us now for four years or so, you know, so we, we have a good understanding of like, hey, if Brendan says something doesn't make sense to him as a player, right, because it's a in terms of a DM ruling call or something, we know he's not trying to be disrespectful or anything. He just wants clarification. He wants to, you know, hash it out and figure out how we should proceed going forward. Uh, same goes for the rest of us.
0: Yeah. Have you noticed this trend? Because I, I, I see this in myself and I see it in a couple other uh, players that I know that also Dungeon Master where the... The 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 ex dungeon master or the uh, as a player ends up being the instigator kind of player you know the one that's moving the plot forward. Um,
1: oh, like instigator in a good way. In a
0: good way, right? Like okay. look, I mean, because everybody's had that experience where there's you know a table of players being like, well, maybe we should do this, or maybe we should do this, or maybe we should do this, and there's the players mm-hmm. like we're doing this, and then everybody has to react to that, and that yeah, to me that <laughs> you need that type of character to kind of again push the plot forward. Um, me, I usually end up being that player, and I think other DMs also just kind of recognize that, like, you know, this this player conversation is is meta. It's not in character. It's not moving the plot forward at all. So let's just make the reactions happen. Have you found that 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 happens a lot for the people who balance both dungeon mastering and playing?
3: I would say yes, but I would also say that uh, it also just comes from being sort of a. Uh, an active or sort of spotlight player, you might just decide to take the initiative and make that call, right? Uh Mel's character, Persephone, uh, will sometimes just decide that we're going to do a thing a certain way. Uh, and she hasn't DMed as of yet. Her turn is coming. Uh but Uh-oh. <laughs> beware. I don't beware, care if Mel. you have to play small animals to get her to do it, we'll do it. <laughs> um
1: <laughs> Is this are we talking about your wife? Is Mel your wife?
3: Yes, yes. Mel my wife.
0: Um that's awesome.
3: I, so I, that game. I <laughs>
0: There's gonna be a red wall oh, yeah. game coming pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, red wall,
3: Humblewood, baby. Um yeah, yeah so it, it's definitely something I think you'll see from DMs because they'll recognize, like, hey, we're this conversation's really circular, it's not in character, like you said. Let's just pick something and see what happens, right? Let's move it forward. Uh, but I think it also just comes from just having that sort of active player mindset will also get you there uh after a certain point yeah I guess that's true or maybe she just has the makings of a really good DM I think that's mm. really what you're... I know she's already moving
1: that plot forward I'm gonna to I'm DM. gonna send
0: Mel a dungeon master's guide I think that's <laughs> the
1: that's way Jordan's to do it. job you, you gotta Jordan. start here's a, hey, I'll take that funny, a DM screen I thought you'd look so nice behind the screen
0: oh right it matches your aesthetic <laughs> it's got little fuzzy uh, furry animals all over it oh my god
1: <laughs> Oh, she'd
0: love that Oh, I yeah, like that
1: it. That would
0: be awesome. Oh, man. So uh, tell me a little bit. I mean, because you've got all these different oh, games. They have really, really evocative uh, <laughs> slug lines, honestly. The way you describe them, like, oh, I want to know more. Uh, but yeah. you mentioned one that was your war gaming campaign. uh yes. Battle, of, Battle of the South or something like that?
3: Kingdoms of the South.
0: Kingdoms, Kingdoms of, of South. the South. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that because I I have, you know, like you, I'm a, I'm a board gamer and a strategy gamer. And so I like that aspect of... Uh, of d d of like elevating to once you get to uh you know a higher level that you you end up being in a, in a political uh, sphere and can ha- you know have mm-hmm. armies and stuff moving around is that is that kind of what you're you're doing with this campaign uh,
3: that campaign had a focus on politics and and warfare for sure uh, but with the limitations of the sort of party kind of system that is kind of the expectation for Dungeons and Dragons, we kind of shifted that a little bit into focusing more of, um, uh, speak plainly, our party sort of being like special forces. And so we Mm -hmm. ended up with those sort of like singular, like, you know, deep strike kind of missions and like, hey, we need you to go solve this particular problem. We need your special skills. You're the A-team. Go in there. We're literally, actually, we're literally the A-team because we named ourselves the Apex Alliance. So like... (laughs) <laughs> uh you know so we were we were kind of focused more in in that realm as opposed to truly something like slamming armies against one another and being like uh commanders and that sort of deal mm-hmm. um you know we had a couple like we had a couple city sieges that we were a part of and we were participating in and you know seeing those large swaths of armies and all that kind of stuff uh battling it out and then of course, us being the A-team, had specific objectives. Go break the siege at this gate. Go do this and that and that sort of thing, putting us where we needed to go. And a lot of that came to us making those decisions after we got to like a certain rank in terms of, uh, you know, hey, they beat a dragon. Uh, They're kind of a big deal now. Uh, Maybe we should give them more autonomy. And so we got to that point and we started doing things our own. Uh, You know, our group uh, just finished up in that game's version of the Feywild uh, and has just returned back to the material Plane, uh, having beaten Archfiend <laughs> that was in there Ooh. causing a whole host of problems working uh, as part of a, a deal with the, the core faction uh, that our nation is opposed against uh, so you know now the players have to figure out the enemy faction is making deals with Archfiends how are we going to deal with that? How are we mm. going to deal with all of this power that she has, and the uh, the fact that her her country is so mountainous and impossible to properly invade? You know, it, it makes for a lot of uh, of good like problem solving situations without having to get into like, hey, I like RTSs, and like Brendan likes RTSs but maybe not everybody else at the table likes real-time strategy games and is trying to play you know, Command and Conquer right now. They wanna play D&D, how do we facilitate that? And this is a good way to do that. Um, but with uh, some upcoming projects that are taking place for myself, uh, Kingdoms of the South has moved uh, to be sort of a private game now. It's, uh, it's transitioned off of Lionhead Gaming as a show and it's just something that our group is doing uh, on the side.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. I, I mean, you've got so many that are in full view that <laughs> it totally makes sense to have uh, one or two that are, uh, yeah, for yourself, you know, for, yeah. For, yeah. for 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 being able to play and have fun.
1: So how does that change how you guys play? Like when you're doing these games for yourself versus games that you're streaming, did it affect mm-hmm. the dynamics in the group at all or how
3: you guys play? That's a good point. So this kind of gets back to like the origin story a little bit. Uh, So four odd years ago, uh, when I brought this, hey, can I stream our game kind of (laughs) deal to the table? It was, and, and very much still is, like, cool, we like you, we're fine with this, we can do this, and we are your friends. But this is your project, and it is. It's mine and my wife's project of, like, what we're doing with Lighthead Gaming. And our friends are more than happy to be a part of it, and... Contribute their time and energy and play their characters the way they would want to play their characters. And that is something that we have been, I guess, astringent or very strict about is not treating our uh, campaigns so much like a show as to be a burden on our friends, right? Because our group is one that has formed out of friendship and playing these games together, not one that is a collection of different streamers who've come together to put on a production per se. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that, of course, but that's a right. core difference. My friends want to play d and I want to stream D&D. These things can align. They just require effective communication, good relationships, and sacrifices in some cases, but you also get boons and benefits in that we're extremely familiar with each other. We know what each other likes. We know how to play off of each other already. And that still creates, in my opinion, some very entertaining and fun content while also being some great d d <laughs> Yeah,
1: I think there's a lot to be said for the fact that you you were friends before and you're used to, to playing with each other. But yeah, it's a an interesting dynamic that you're talking about. They want to play, you want to stream, so...
3: How do we make that work? And we figured yeah. it
0: out. It yeah. feels very similar. I mean, yeah, you know, obviously it's very different, but it feels, I, I, I see threads of uh, similarity in uh, a theater company that was my friends. We all got together and we started a theater company, but then business and things, you know, warped and changed all of our relationships, some for the better and some for the worse. And I, I think if any, if, if we went into it with the maturity that you seem to have gone into it with, with your group of friends, um, you know, uh, things might have been a little bit differently, and so it's it's good to have that baseline of being like, you know, this is one person's or one kind of group's project, and we're just amplifying it. And then if it ever gets to uh, infect the actual relationships, then you're like, hey, that's maybe a time to to pull back a little bit. And that's smart. Yeah,
3: yeah. It's, it's all about uh, from for me. It's all about managing expectations. It's yeah. all about presenting. Here's what I would like uh, to do, and. If you guys want to be a part of that and want to do that, that's fine. And if not, I know the reasons for that. And, uh, you know, maintaining that open path of communication, not making anyone feel like they can't talk to me about anything. Like these, uh, you know, just fostering these healthy relationships is integral to making sure that that works. That's not to say, though, I am not open in the future of Linehead Gaming to putting on what would be considered a more traditional show where I reach out to people in the community who are streamers and want to be, you know, prolific and make the show with them. It's something that I have on the back burner of things I would like to do because those expectations that I manage with my core group will reach their limit. And when they reach their limit, it is for the health of all the relationships that I make that transition at some point and still play with them, of course, but you know, things, all great things comes when end where they should. And, uh, i'm I'm happy about that honestly that's why I'm super excited to run uh Heroes of thylia so I can deliver a three to twenty game for my friends before perhaps my next dm project being something that's a streamer focused thing
0: that makes sense um and you mentioned uh using roll twenty in in virtual uh space for for a lot of yep. these things um i I struggled with that platform. I'm not going to lie; it's it's very hard for me to jump in and uh, uh, and do it. So I've done, I've you know kind of done a hybrid uh, you know theater of the mind as well as using miniatures on the table behind me and cameras uh, uh, to kind of get that feel, especially during this uh, this pandemic. So, um, you know, yeah, talk a little bit about things you've done uh, playing online and how that all works uh, for, yeah, um... for for Lionhead Gaming.
3: Yeah, we've been using Roll20 since the beginning. Uh, You know, we're all virtual. We're all pretty separated all over the country. Um, And so it was kind of business as usual uh, when things, you know, started to lock down in terms of, like, not being able to see each other and things like that because that's what we're already doing. You know, we play, uh, for the most part, with... Uh, cameras on so we can see each other's faces and still sort of kind of play off some body language the things that you can see in the camera anyway. Uh, I won't say it's the same as playing at the table, uh, even though it's been a long time since I've done that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it definitely helps bridge the gap to have that be a component. So I'm like thankful that Roll20 has that. I've also branched out and started using a wonderful program called Foundry uh, Virtual Tabletop uh, that is excellent absolutely excellent because it lets me do things that would be I think pretty big DIY projects if I was running a game at home like on a normal table where like I have uh I recently put together minor spoilers here for Heroes of Thalia but I'm I recently (laughs) put together a uh virtual fireworks show that I worked on for like a month and uh I turn that into a video, and I'll be able to show that virtually through the tabletop platform because it supports like having video maps and animated backgrounds and like all of these uh, advanced technologies that can make for, uh, I think, a much more engaging and uh, you know, evocative uh, play experience. That then I can also capture and share it to my viewers, <laughs> where they'll also be able to see the cool, awesome fireworks show uh, that I worked on for, you know, for the game. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, you get some fun automation tools and things like that. The connection to, like, sound effects and uh, production value is is really nice, you know, because I don't have a, um, a producer like you guys have for your wonderful live shows that, you know, when someone casts a spell, you know, somebody in the back room can play a sound clip connected to the spell and you'll have <laughs> cool effects and everyone can go ooh and ah. I, I don't have that, but what I do have is a very specific set of skills, skills that I can use to yeah. connect sound effects to your virtual character sheet. So when you click Fireball, not only does a cool animated Fireball appear on the minimap and you can see the effect, but there's also a sound effect to go with it. And, you know, it's, it's bombastic. It's cool. I love doing it. Uh, and it's, it makes it, it makes a really fun time, I think.
1: That is awesome. I feel like that's also like the right amount of like immersion that I would need. Like I don't need like super fancy effects, but like to hear the fireball go off, to see it, what happens when it explodes, perfect. But I need to go back to this fireworks show because um, <laughs> did you created your own fireworks show for something that was happening in your game.
3: Yeah, so Here's a Thylia, right, is my my Greek mythos (laughs) game that I'm running, right? Uh, And being a mythical game, um, the pantheons for that game walk the material plane, right? And so they, my group is being shadowed and having their odyssey recorded by the goddess of music, uh, Kyra. And so they just recently saved... Uh, the closest analog would be like sort of Athens (laughs) uh the city of Mitros from a perpetual hurricane uh, that had been locked in place at by the titan of storms against the city because well war is coming uh (laughs) and so they put a stop to that saving the city from basically being washed into the sea eventually uh and that's a big deal it's a big deal in the setting and so uh the goddess of music is going to use some of her divine power to showcase this celebration. She is, uh, you know, the embodiment of music in all of its forms, whether it be the music of battle or music itself or even explosions and colorful colors in the sky. Um, but there are some great software out there that you can use to uh, make virtual fireworks shows, and I just so happened to stumble across that. And then I looked at that software and I decided... <sighs> do I want to find artwork that happens to have a couple of firework explosions in a cool city and use this as a backdrop for the celebration scene? Or do I want to spend hours and hours and hours and hours painstakingly timing a fireworks show and a virtual program to a kick-ass song from Wonder Woman? <sighs> hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go,
0: I think it was B. I think B is what you ended up on. It, it in fact was. <laughs>
3: so see, this am... is
1: this is what I mean about like playing with other like when you're a dungeon master in a play but you're playing. Can you turn off the dungeon master part of your brain? I would be terrified to DM a game for you because I feel like you'd be sitting there going, oh, really? Like you're just gonna tell me there's fireworks? You're not actually gonna see the fireworks."
3: <laughs>
0: Look! Look! I I am. Then very... you start getting like those flash bombs, uh, and you know uh, I'm seeing like Job from Arrested Development, like doing like you know amazing effects <laughs> and fireballs yes. on for the camera. It's <laughs> like here's a dead pigeon.
1: So, you're just gonna say <laughs> you cast burning hands. I'm not gonna like see actually your burn your on hands. On hey, you're hey, not gonna hey, light your I, hands on fire. I am.
3: I am definitely <laughs> as much effort and love and care as I like to put into these. You know special effects to put them in a broad category nothing beats imagination <laughs> nothing beats the things you can see in your mind as the dm just uh, spend some time on just a description maybe if they want to a sound effect of fireworks but you don't have to have that we know what fireworks sound like you can describe <laughs> the scene you can you can you can build a celebration purely based on what it is the the character spend time doing and have that be extremely memorable uh compared to burning you know the midnight oil to make a fireworks show i did it because i wanted to because i wanted to flex on my players but that's (laughs) 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 you know that's just me that's you know i'm a proud person
0: (laughs) you remind me so much of that uh there was that there was a program in like the 80s uh, for a commodore 64 that had like a thing where you could program out a fireworks display uh, I remember as a kid, just being you know my, my, my older brother had uh, you know these the, the first versions of these personal computers and I remembered how fascinating and fun that was as like little you know, eight or nine year old me doing it on uh, with you know the most basic of graphics uh, but I, so I imagine that there 's Whatever program you ended up using now, it's super robust, and I bet it looked really great. Like, I mean, because those effects are all over After Effects, as far as using those yeah. those those big, huge things. So, what 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 was the the software that you you, you used? Uh, Firework
3: Sim or FW Sim is a all in one uh, sort of program. Uh, and you know, I'm not going to claim to be a master like After Effects or anything like that. I didn't play around with that. I just thought this seems cool. Uh, let me try out the ends. trial and it was timed and I was like, oh crap, I only have an hour. Well, let me see what I can do in an hour. Okay, I really like this. <laughs> I'm gonna buy this now and I'm going to use it. And having spent a while on it and made this one project, I looked at this and I've decided, all right, I'm never doing this again. But <laughs> <laughs> this was this was a lot <laughs> of fun. <laughs>
0: And you were able to export it out as Worth like a movie that. or something like yeah, that, as and a movie, play that yeah, exactly. For, oh, yep, and then so I, can, cool. I
3: uploaded the movie to <laughs> uh, to I host my game on uh, the Forge, which is a website for hosting Foundry games. And I uploaded on there, and because Foundry is so great, it uh, it plays just like a it just plays like a movie, it just plays it right there. So I will be able to load them into the map so they can see it, and uh, hopefully they'll like it. Uh.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, they haven't they haven't even seen it yet. No. It's, oh, sh- I, I know they're totally
3: going to listen to this after the fact, but, you know, they already know because I was talking about it last night with them on Discord, Uh like, oh my god, I'm never doing this again, but <laughs> I just finished something. It's going to be awesome. Hopefully you guys like it. Even if you don't, you know, oh well. <laughs>
0: That's so cool. How I mean, Dungeons & Dragons, we've talked about a couple of ways how it, how it pulls in, especially for Dungeon Masters, all of these different Disciplines, uh, <laughs> and, and we've you know we've talked about music and performance and and artwork and all these things, but I don't think we've ever talked about how fireworks uh, no, <laughs> should be a
3: part of your games. Oh um, well, yeah, I mean like it's like uh, it's like you know, some people really like painting minis, right, and like putting together uh, like dwarven forge and stuff like that, and that's that's not really for me per se. Like even if I was playing physically, I don't think I'd be super into painting minis. But I, there are certain Avenues for creativity that I really like, and this just happened to be, you know, one of them. It, it sort of tapped into a, an old thing I used to do as a kid, which was make like animated music videos, like on easy to use video editing software, where you just take, you know, clips of stuff and time it to music. It was basically the same thing, and I yeah. was like, oh, this is fun. This takes me back to my childhood a little bit. I'm not going to do it again because I know why I stopped doing this, but <laughs> 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 this was a cute little experiment. Well, I dig well, I'm it. sure they'll love it. I hope so. Yeah, Yeah. especially
1: when they hear how much work you put into it
3: (laughs) (laughs) hours they know what's good
1: for them (sighs) um so how much of of what you run either on your stream or or for yourself how much is like uh just complete homebrew versus published adventures or what you find in supplements and or is it is it mostly just your own creations
3: so it's an interesting question um so like Song of Rapture, right? It's not a game, it's a game that I play in, right? It's not the one I run. Uh, but it's completely homebrew, right? It's it's completely omen's uh baby that he has, you know, molded into this outstanding game. And Here's a Thalia, oddly enough, is actually it's my interpretation and like revisions to uh a published adventure, a homebrew, like not a homebrew, but um a third-party adventure uh, made by Arcanum Worlds, uh, mm-hmm. who, like, has some um, some old Bioware authors. They did a big Kickstarter a while back called Odyssey of the Dragon Lords. And, like, that adventure is magnificent. It's yeah. it's outstanding. And it's a, it's a pre-made adventure, but I, I took that pre-made, and I think, like any good pre-made adventure, I went through it, and I looked for what I thought would be not fun (laughs) and made it fun. I went through and looked for the different sort of problem and pinch points that I think my group having played with them for so long and getting to know their playstyles and what it is they like what it is they don't like and tailoring and changing uh, that adventure not only for them but also for me there's just stuff in there that I wasn't a big fan of that I was like that's cool but nah I'm gonna do this my way and so like that's kind of my thought process and like way of looking at pre-made it's like even some of the great stuff that like Watsi's put out like Storm King's Thunder is an adventure I ran uh Lost Minds of Fandover of course I think I think premates are an excellent, excellent product, Um, and I think they are one of the best tools for any DM who's really, like, learning and getting a feel for a system and also for DMing because it gives you answers, but it's also going to give you problems. It's going to Mm -hmm. give you things that you're not going to like that you're going to need to figure out answers for, and that will get you thinking – in the future when you're doing your own thing of like, cool, the players just did this crazy thing I wasn't expecting. What am I going to do about it? I need to use that problem-solving part of my brain now and figure it out. And I, I think I come naturally to that just because I like puzzles and things like that. Uh, so it just goes together like like puzzle pieces. <laughs> so I just, I really enjoy it. Um, most of our yeah. other games, though, have been, have been homebrew. Like The Expanse was completely homebrew. Uh, Kingdoms of the South was like ninety five percent homebrew to place on the sword coast, but it was completely a homebrew kind of thing uh, you know so that's, that's i'm i'm the one the one dm that's like premates have their merit
0: <laughs> well, and it sounds like you yeah. pulled a lot of stuff from the theros source book too for uh for Thalia right
3: yeah, yeah, pulling from your guys is great. Oh my god, I love Theros so much. I loved it in Magic: The (laughs) Gathering. Like when you guys made the the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, another plane that I really, really loved. My very first thought was, God, I really hope they make Theros. (laughs) I love Theros so much. Oh really? Make a Theros. But yes, I, I talked about that on Reddit endlessly when you guys when they when they put out Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, and everyone's like what magic the gathering in my dnd I, but i want you know <laughs> setting books from 20 years ago remade i'm like i mean that's fine but also new things are cool too <laughs> yeah uh, you know i wanted theros i want innistrad but that's neither here nor there unless you could pass that along to somebody uh <laughs> <laughs> sending notes now <laughs> um but yeah Theros is an invaluable resource um not only because like there's like some great monsters that are very greek inspired obviously you know different takes on hydras you know polychronos being in there is going to be a fun time when my players are high enough level to maybe take on the world eater uh, and you know using those uh, ideas and like the ideas of piety and, you know, having the gods really have a presence in the world and, uh, what that looks like and how that can change things. It's an invaluable resource to sort of pick and choose from and take, you know, bits from. I haven't, you know, just full-on put Pharos into my game of like, hey, go to, uh, you know, uh darn, I'm blanking on something at the moment. You know, go meet the so like you know, actual, like go to the cities and things like that. I haven't gone that far, but I am taking everything that I want to integrate and bringing it all together.
0: That's perfect because that was, you know, one of the selling points that I, I think when we were talking about it so much here uh, on this podcast and, and throughout was just that, you, yes you can run things whole cloth in theros using all of these things but we it, well me especially loved the idea of just having tools for dungeon masters to run more classical campaigns that have that kind of myth around them uh, and it sounds like you 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 took that and and ran with it exactly the way it was intended to have inspiration and jumping off points and maybe you know I can use this monster or I can use this dungeon or I can use this this polis and and and, and deity, you know system, um but I can also uh infuse your own creativity and you know do your version of our version of Greek myths
3: <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it's all it like uh you you it's like it's a, a pure a purebred, you know dog has its issues because it has so little you know diversity in it bringing these things together, mixing everything together, you know bringing from other systems uh other adventures, blending things together smartly can make for a really, really great finished product, right? A combination of spices and and sauces and different ingredients make for a great dish uh, as opposed to just playing it right down uh, main street. I think is, I think it's just not necessarily worse. I think it's just less fun as a DM. Yeah. I think just being that adherent can be like more stress than it's worth.
0: I love how you you wove three metaphors together there, and it's, I, I was I was <laughs> following works. along the entire time. I'm like, yep, yep, <laughs> like, oh. a
1: <laughs>
0: like a good oh, dungeon sorry. master would, right? No, yeah. that's that's exactly, uh, I, and, yeah. I, and and I love the point about diversity too as well because there is, you know, something about having so many people from so many different backgrounds. Entering the D and D community and contributing to the ideas and adding different flavors and spice uh, to the, uh, the, you know the the menu that is all of uh, the Dungeons and Dragons community. If I'm going to be able to mix some metaphors in here, um, <laughs> you got it, you nailed it, and it's getting better and better, right? It's getting uh, so much so that like that's why we love talking to 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 so many you know uh, creators because everybody brings their own uh, uh, special flavor. To, to their game and to their, to their characters.
3: Yeah, everyone has their own unique backgrounds, their own histories, their own you know, things that they love and are passionate about that they can bring to the table to make for a better imagination time experience, <laughs> I think. <laughs> imagination um, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely.
1: Um, I want to make sure that we get in a question that we got um, on Twitter for you mm. um, from Fable Forge RPG. Um they asked the what is <laughs> what's the hardest thing that you've struggled with um becoming a d and d content creator hmm. it's a good question
3: it is we
1: should have sent it to you in advance
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'd say the hardest thing I've struggled with as a d and d content creator hmm uh, there is, and this is, is kind of weird because it's, it's kind of related to just sort of content creation in general, because I think a lot of the aspects of like D&D and like teach RPGs in general, I haven't really had super big issues with, right, in terms of content creation, maybe the length of sessions might be Problematic for content creation. People love things that are easily digestible. And sometimes it can be a big ass to have somebody sit down and watch and listen to you and your friends for four hours. But at the same time, with what it is I'm currently doing, my group wants to play for four hours. So we're making four hour sessions. That's just the way it is. Um, I think just being cognizant of the fact that other people's uh, success. Is not your failure, um, and making sure to support and and love the other content creators around you uh, can be something that I think requires a, a steady application of, of fuel to that fire. You need to be aware of it and keep you know any feelings of uh, jealousy or envy at bay, because I think they're natural human emotions to feel. I think they are, uh, honestly, in a way, healthy if you can utilize them effectively and keep them from, you know, being a part of you. Uh, And I feel like that's probably one of the things that I have not necessarily struggled with, but it's just something that since I've been doing this now for four years, I have just seen over and over again and just had to sort of Hmm. find my center and keep moving forward with what it is I want to do uh, and make adjustments here and there, be aware of what people are doing and the, the content that they're creating and find my own space. And doing that while maintaining a sense of like happiness and, you know, joy in what I'm creating and joy in what other people are creating is something that requires constant energy. It's something you always be putting uh, energy towards to main, make sure that you can be happy for other people, and I think that will make you happier as well. Uh, and it's something that I have felt is been a difficult ask in content creation, as opposed to like, you know, just doing something more traditional uh, with my time. It's <laughs> a good answer. Yeah,
1: it's a really good answer, and and yeah, really true across. Uh, I think lots of different. Um, platforms and area and like in in general i mean it's yeah. but it is i can see it's one of the things that like, surprised me but then didn't is that because there there are so many people you know who are talking about DD and streaming DD and playing DD and it's amazing to see this um but i always wonder like why do they all love each other so much and that like seeing them like seeing these groups come together in person and they're just like, oh, I love you. You're my favorite. Or like guesting on each other's streams. <laughs> yeah. And you're exactly right. Like you have to, there's there is like just a genuine enthusiasm for what other people in the community are doing and what we're all seeing. And we want to see this community grow. And it's it they're they're all just very welcoming, wonderful, generous people, which is you know kind of also like hearing you talk is kind of like describing a DD party. You have to be okay with other (laughs) people's successes. Like sometimes you don't get the, you miss, you're like, you fail at your attempt, but then your party member comes in and, you know, gets the final kill or whatever, or, you know, solves the puzzle or can convince the innkeeper to let you pass. Like you just have to be okay with it. It's, It's a group effort.
3: Together each achieves more. Yes, yeah. and
1: I know there's a metaphor, and that was also I don't remember what it is. If we want to mix more metaphors, there's a ton of them here. Like oh, yeah. the jump, <laughs> jump in, guys! Jump in. What's the one about like boats all rising? Like, oh yeah, rising
3: tide lifts all boats. Thank you. Yeah, yep. that's 100%. the adage. 100%. Yeah. And, see, that was the that was the 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 adage that stuck in my mind because uh, to we started Song of Rapture. That game started on Fridays, and for personal reasons, the DM uh, needed to move that game to Thursdays. And we all know (laughs) know who sits on Thursday. We all know the big fish in the room. And that can be, if you let it, a disheartening moment as a content creator. Because now you think to yourself, I will be swimming in the shadow of that massive Goliath. And instead, remember that so many people are coming to see that Goliath that they might be there early. And they stream at Pacific time. You stream at Eastern. You'll be on before them. Maybe they'll pop in and take a look at you for a little while before they go and enjoy their Goliath for some time. And that has happened. That has happened time and time and time again, uh, especially with like a lot of cross promotion where people will come see us. And I have been reached out to afterwards after that show uh, for things like this, for appearing on other shows, for doing guest stars, because people, you get more eyes on you Yes, they're there to see the Goliath in the end, but they also look at you, and that's find that that glimmer of hope in what can be uh, a more dramatic dark than you really think it is. It's not the end; it is only the beginning. You've got this; yep. you can do uh, this.
0: Uh, one thing that you said, uh, I just want to highlight because it's something that, that just kind of really resonated for me: where that jealousy or that envy, or or you know, seeing the Goliath in the room. Um, can be, can be disheartening, uh, and it can be a blocker. And I think what you're saying here is like, use that not necessarily to stop you from creating, but to get you to create, you know, more or differently or, or in your own, uh, voice. Um, and that's really important just for any content creator, whether they be you know, streaming yeah. D&D or writing novels or or yeah. making movies. It's like you you can't just take someone's <laughs> success and be like, well, I'll never do that good. And so it's better yeah. for me not even to try. And then you're They're like, well, no. They're it and
1: they do it better. It's
0: yeah. always better to do something. So use that. Hopefully those, you know, what we might be able to char- char- uh, uh, characterize as negative feelings of, of jealousy and envy, but use those to to fuel more positive creati- uh, creativity and that's going to end up being a healthier person and a healthier uh, uh, creator going forward.
3: Yeah, definitely.
1: Good advice.
0: All right. Well, you have a lot of wisdom, uh, Jordan. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> Maybe you've earned it over time. You've taken that, uh, uh, you know, plus two to wisdom o- over the last four years to, to to get up that high.
3: I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Well, thanks for coming on and, and, and talking through. I love all, you know, even just hearing the little snippets of, of plots and things that you've got going on <laughs> in each one of these games. Yeah. They're really interesting. Yeah. I want to know more about them and play more of them. And, and, and uh, hopefully people who are listening uh, can jump in to, to any of them. What would be the best way to find out uh, about your schedule or, or, or when things are going to be popping off?
3: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, of course, uh, when it comes to live streaming, uh, following me on Twitch is definitely the best way to get the notifications for when we're going live at twitch.tv slash Lionhead Gaming. Uh, we go live with Song of Rapture on Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, and we are coming back uh the 31st for our 31st episode season two of heroes of Thylea, uh that crazy greek stuff i was talking about before nice. at 5 p.m eastern on sundays uh, so i'm super excited to get back into the saddle for dming that uh you can also of course follow me on twitter at uh twitter uh at, at lionhead underscore gaming somebody took the one that doesn't have a space. Uh, you can use the underscore to find me and follow me on there. We'll all tweet uh, both my opinions on various things, whether it be d and politics, what have you. is an, an, an unfiltered look at who I am as a person. And uh, also get the latest news and updates for the stream. Uh, you know, whether or not we need to cancel shift days, things like that. And uh, you can, of course, join our wonderful Discord where we talk about D&D all the time, discuss <laughs> rules, uh, hash out the latest UA. You know, people are talking mm. about making uh, scarecrow characters with the new UA you guys put out where you can be reborn yes. as, you know, crazy little constructs and stuff like that and undead and all that good stuff. So we talk about things like that, talk about video games, you know, all the classic fun Discord stuff, share uh, memes relevant to our game and uh, other games and yeah, it's, it's a fun time, fun community. So come on down, join the pride and uh, follow us <gasps> at, uh Linehead Gaming. <laughs>
1: join the pride, I love that. <laughs> I get it, I see what you did there. <laughs>
0: Everywhere the light touches is yours, Jordan.
3: <laughs> I appreciate it so much. If I would uh, use my normal sign-off and be may your Dice Roll 20s and you always make your saves appreciate that i, I love appreciate
1: it appreciate that very much awesome thank you
0: what a fantastic interview so excited uh to learn love more it. about all of jordan's games uh what he's playing in what he has done to mastering great stuff
1: so inspiring uh and a, just a wonderful creative creator
0: A creative creator
1: creative creator
0: that's they uh, were going to call the dungeon master the creative creator, uh, you know, <laughs> back in the day, but they decided to go with dungeon master. I
1: think they made a mistake. I don't know why. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I might. I'm, I think I'm going to bring it back. The creative creator. We didn't get to ask Jordan um, the other part of uh, our question that we got on Twitter, which was why are you so friendly all the time? But, you know, I'm I'm getting that vibe. I just I think some people are just made of sunshine and rainbows. And I think Jordan might be one of those people.
0: He definitely uh, brightened up my day. I'll tell you that much. He do. Hope he did for you as well. Uh, let us now make sure that you know where you can find out about all the fun Dungeons & Dragons stuff, including Dragon Plus. Download it onto your phone. There's a new issue coming in February that's all about Candle Keep Mysteries uh, as well as some other fun things coming up. We also would love you to check out DungeonsAndDragons.com. For more information about how to get into the game, there is an official Discord channel that is chock full of opportunity for you to meet up with people and maybe find a game online to play. Definitely want to encourage people to sign up for games during our virtual play weekends every month. Uh, There's going to be a new set of dates for that in February uh, so look for the D- uh, on the D&D Discord to find out more about that, as well as follow along on Wizards underscore D&D on Twitter, Instagram. Follow us on the Facebooks. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with me or Shelly, you can do so on Twitter. I'm at Greg Tito and Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. And what about you, Shelly?
1: I am at Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Follow us. See all the fun things that we've got going on, uh, including... Chunky Two Shoes and uh, her adventures in meeting up with her brother Daryl Two Shoes. Not going as planned. No, I don't know if we even planned like, anything.
1: I mean, but I, I'm, I'm not. I don't know. Like I just thought it'd be like a happy, wonderful reunion, and we would just go off and be kittens together. But I'm nope. feeling like. That's not going to happen.
0: Well, you definitely did rescue him uh, along with your uh, burly uh, buff friend, the mm-hmm. sailor, by the name of Salazar. And uh, he, he is steering the ship, uh, or I guess say, boat that you're on, uh, while you and Daryl are below decks having a private conversation in which uh, Daryl finally told you that he had been tracking... A group of doppelgangers, and that okay. they are perhaps infiltrating a city on the Sword Coast, water deep.
1: Okay. Uh, Daryl, I, I mean, I just don't understand why you need to even be involved with this. Like, what? You're not. Go, what, why?
0: Well, also, since I've left you uh, in Shelt, uh, I have been. Shall we say helping a, a group um that is devoted to uh altruistic ends uh within the sword coast?
1: Okay, well I, I don't I don't know why you never told me any of this. And and I just would really like to maybe just forget all that and maybe we can just go somewhere else. We can go back to Tolt or we could go to Baldur's Gate. We can go anywhere. Just Let's just start over. Let's just get you somewhere safe. Can we do that?
0: While I would love uh, for you and I personally to be safe, there is a greater good, is there not?
1: No. (laughs) Tequila? What?
0: Yes, well, uh, I've missed you, my sister. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> i've missed you too
0: your levity is very much uh missed i, I feel like i've been mm-hmm. uh dealing with uh, very serious topics of late but we do have to get uh so uh, to the city of Waterloo so i can report my findings
1: but but i feel like this is very dangerous like why why don't we just just cut your losses let's just go Somewhere else.
0: Well, you may go. Uh, I oh, am no. uh, very excited uh, that we have been reunited, but I have responsibilities to my order.
1: You're such a fuddy-duddy, Daryl. Always gotta like follow the rules. Always gotta finish what you started. All right, all right. We're you say those Water things deep. as
0: if they're insults.
1: Yes. Well, you and I are very different. <laughs>
0: I I can understand we go,
1: that we'll go to Waterdeep you can report whatever it is you have to do and then we're leaving yeah?
0: I can agree to the first part of that statement we oh, shall yeah. go to Waterdeep
1: alright well if you're going to stay in Waterdeep and, and chase down these doppelgangers I'm going to do it too
0: wow I am actually impressed uh, and <laughs> he, he looks at you for a second <laughs> Uh, and uh, you see him kind of consider your demeanor, and he says, uh, hmm, "All right, well, I trust you."
1: Do you? I should hope so. After I just spent the last three years of my life trying to find you,
0: three years. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> give or take.
0: Uh, he his eyes actually do go wide when he says three years. He's is, has it been that long? Yeah. Um, that that he is, he is taken aback. He doesn't, he did not realize that, uh, yeah, he's like, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know that it had been, has it really been three years since Chult?
1: Yes, Daryl. How long did you, did you think it was?
0: Um, uh, a few months.
1: Okay. You know what? We can talk about this later. I think you, you need to get some rest. Mm. Hmm. That's. Curl up here,
0: is a uh, is a good thought.
1: I'll get you uh, a saucer of milk, and uh, and you uh, can just curl up here and get some rest.
0: Daryl does indeed uh, take your advice, uh, and 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 curls up into a small ball, and uh, he does immediately go to sleep. You see his uh, you know chest start to to rise and fall. He he was in fact very fatigued. And that's,
1: okay, because he's he's starting to act a little cray cray. Um well can I can you do an insight check on someone while they sleep?
0: Sure. <laughs> Go ahead.
1: Oh. 20. 20. With my bonus with my bonus, yeah.
0: Uh he uh appears to be uh believing what he's saying. Okay. Um but there is something not matching up about your experiences and, and his story. Okay. But you but you believe that what he's saying is true.
1: You he, believe he that believes, he believes what he's saying. He is believes true. what he's. Okay. Yes, exactly. Okay.
0: And that's where we'll end it uh, for this one. Let's see what happens. Maybe we'll fast forward to Waterdeep for our okay. next little Honestly,
1: session Honestly, I, I really thought that they were would be reunited and then they would be happy and everything would just.
0: Just like, like with every D and D story. Everything, they get together
1: and everything's done. I'm kind of, I'm surprised that there's, it's not like that. (laughs) Okay. Well,
0: we'll pick it up and find out what's happening in the next chapter of the saga of Drunky and Daryl. Yes!